Welcome to Brave New Earth. This podcast is all about climate tech. We're going to be diving into how we can build and invest in the climate technology projects of tomorrow. We're going to be interviewing some of the best founders, investors, scientists, and builders in the space to work out where we should be investing our capital, where we should be building businesses so that we can, one, have a huge impact on the future on planet Earth, and two, build very valuable businesses. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Harry. I'm really excited. Let's dive straight in pete thanks so much for coming on uh really appreciate it we're in a slightly different studio today just down the road uh but yeah no thanks so much for coming on you're actually one of the first names i knew about in the industry when i was looking into it so Cheers. pete the uh the founder of climate tech climate, is it climate vc or climate tech vc climate vc Clim climate vc i'm yeah. so used to just spouting out <laughs> climate tech <laughs> they're our main yeah. competitor yeah oh, oh are they <laughs> no they're not it's just a joke yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, got to be worried there, yeah. So also awesome. So uh, in, in your words, what is Climate VC? It's um, it's a fund that helps to back early stage climate entrepreneurs. We um, we my my whole thing for the rest of my life is trying to have a major scale impact on the climate emergency. We've put a number to that, one gigaton, um, and the the goal of what we're doing at Climate VC is to see if we can find companies that can help contribute to that. They can help contribute maybe maybe 10 megatons a year. So that's millions of tons of CO2 either avoided being emitted in the first place or taken out of the atmosphere and buried underground somewhere. Um, that that's, that's what we do. And the way that we do that is we look for companies that we think, oh, you're pretty amazing. Yeah. We, think, um, we think if this idea gets to where it wants to get to, probably won't, but if it does, yeah. could it have the, the, the scale of impact that we're looking for? Um, do we think this founding team is incredible and do we think the scale of the opportunity is enormous and if so then um, those are the kinds of companies that, that we're interested in how can we uh, visualize gigaton like what, what, what would some parallels be to that well it's a lot it's a yeah. lot um, a billion of anything is, yeah. is a lot isn't it um, I mean maybe maybe let's start with 10 megatons so we look yeah. for we look for companies that can do 10 megatons every year um, so that's kind of the equivalent of about a million people in Britain so over here um we've we all contribute to um to emissions yeah. if we live in rich countries then we we contribute more um in the uk roughly we're about 10 tons per person per year so and that's that's kind of the food we eat that's um our driving around in cars that's us turning the heating on um but it's also kind of just being part of a nation right so when you yeah. when when our when our government goes out and builds roads or, or builds hospitals or um or makes electricity then all of that is kind of part of our contribution to to global warming so 10 megatons is like um removing the emissions removing the effects of about a million people yeah and i guess from an individual perspective you wouldn't necessarily know exactly where you're emitting like most people don't have much transparency into that but that's just like an on average you're looking for a company that can effectively like neutralize a million people in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Awesome. I wouldn't put it like that in the literature. Uh, neutralize a thousand <laughs> yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Could have, could have but yeah, that's that. essentially it. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that, that's part of the issue is there's just yeah. too many people on earth. You know, when, um, when, when I was born, there were 4 billion. Now there are yeah. 8 billion. It's no crossed over were, eight this week. Didn't yeah. It? That's yeah. crazy. So your seed stage, right? So, yeah. so how early would, is is the founder and their ideation and business development when you i guess begin to talk to them we do we do seed and pre-seed um okay. we we actually quite like pre-seed we want to try and be the first check-in when we can yeah, yeah. Why, why is that why, why do you like that um there's there's two reasons one is um 
I think that's where somebody needs to show up. Yeah. Something like um, wind um, is kind of a no-brainer now. So the, the economics of investing in wind or solar are great. Yeah. EV, great. Um, EV batteries, great. It, they're kind of proven, well-understood technologies with a well-understood uh, growth curve. Um, so you know, pension funds are investing in that kind of thing. Uh, insurance companies are investing in that kind of thing. There's there's no need for our money in in that space. If we put our money in, it would literally just be to monetize what's already happening. Um, whereas what my mission is is to have an additional uh, impact. So so to have an impact where before there wasn't an impact. So to to try if we can to make things happen that wouldn't have happened, or to try and make things happen sooner, maybe a year or two years or five years sooner. Um, so that's the first reason. That's why we like pre-seed because. Yeah. It feels like a little bit of money has a lot of effect, a lot of effect at, at the early stage. Um, if a founder's got an incredible idea, he's got a great team. You know, there's there's a really good market to go after. It could have a huge impact, but he or she can't raise any funding. Then they're, then they're dead in the water. The second thing is, if you think of some of a company having 120x growth, that's um, that's five factorial, isn't it? Five times four times three times two times one, yeah. and uh, you know the bigger growth will often happen right at the beginning. You know, so so one of the companies that we've invested in um, has already done a seven x mm. of that, and they you know they've they've got less than I don't know who can do some who can do sums what <laughs> yeah. what one hundred and forty divided it's, it's like twenty x it's, yeah, yeah. it's got maybe a twenty x left yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah loads of growth in the early stage so I, I'm really keen to dive into a bit more about the companies you invested in and 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 why because I think that those some of those numbers are awesome right but uh, what I like to start with so just taking kind of one step back is why you got into this um this sector in the first place and why did you choose the VC angle because I realized that there's this thing called climate change you know and it's yeah. um I mean, I've told this story a lot. It's, and you know, I usually say the same thing, which is that I knew intellectually about this, uh, that this was going on maybe for 30 years, but it's it's only really in the past three or four years that actually my heart has realized that, um, wow, this is actually pretty serious. Um, it took it took quite a lot to convince me. I was, I was, I was a technologist before and a founder. And um, through my tech consultancy, I, was, I, was, I worked on a climate change project. Mm. I just every day got to see deforestation and and the symptoms of deforestation um like close up every day for nine months so that's that's when i had my kind of road to damascus moments and realized i need to go and see if i can do something about this and was there because because obviously with climate right there's two two big things right now there's the one just like leaving a really cool legacy and there's two the commercial opportunity when when was the uh, when did the penny drop about the commercial opportunity as well or was it purely i just want to have an impact and a bigger impact as i can I think, um, well, I've worked around money a lot. So, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm just, I've got, I still don't really understand what it is. I don't know if anybody really understands what it is. Um, but, you know, I, I understand how a lot of it works. And one one thing that's always been very obvious to me is that if you if you want to, if if you have to make a lot of money, then go and create a lot of value. You know, they, they say that if you if you want to make a billion dollars, go and help a billion people. Mm. Um, and, and so that, that's always, that's always been obvious to me. And when, when I look at, um, a lot of the work that I've done as a technologist, I realize I haven't really been creating a lot of value in the world. I've been making a lot of money, um, but I haven't really been adding anything to, you know, to, to the human experience. People who do add a lot of to, to the human experience, I think it's kind of almost inevitable if they do that at scale that they will make a lot of money out of it. And so I, I prefer to look at um, 
at this kind of thing, impact investing particularly, as being kind of people making a lot of money as a as a side effect of them having a huge um, contribution to to the world. So you know, imagine kind of in pioneer times, like back in the late 1700s, early uh, early to mid 1800s, mm. people who built railroads all the way across the, the US. Right, they they weren't saying let's let's optimize for the the best way to make money. They were saying let's build let's make railroads so that we can move timber and oil and and uh, commodities uh, from from coast to coast. And in doing so, they became fabulously wealthy. And um, I think that's that's always that's always been a big part of this for me. Um, and I think climate change is is one of these areas where it's it is kind of obvious because there's the people will make money out of doing this because. There's um, there's so many pressures coming, societal pressures, governmental pressures, social pressures, forcing certain changes to happen. And if you're there making these changes happen, contributing to making these changes happen, then um, you can add a lot of value to the world. And therefore, you know, you get to share in um, in the value that you create. Yeah, that's super interesting. Do you think we've got there as a, I guess, as a society right now? Because like a lot of the experience I've had is that people feel uncomfortable with the concept of doing both, like have doing good for the world and making money at the same time, which is largely like off the Twitter sphere, which I know isn't necessarily like the the the, the best kind of like reflection of, of of humanity. But um, yeah, do you think we've we've got there? And is there any more work that we can do um, around awakening people to the commercial opportunity? Right, because that's when you you kind of need people working in the space that almost don't care about the space for it to really start taking off right yeah, and they'll yeah. come they'll come if there's a commercial i i don't think it's generally accepted yet yeah. that that um that's that this is a good way to make money yeah. um a lot of people will view it as like a, a charitable endeavor it's not it's yeah. not a charitable endeavor um a lot of charities are really not very effective at all at creating great change yeah. in the world the, the incentives are just not there for people to um, you know, to, some some charities are amazing. Charity Water, oh, yeah, yeah. they're amazing. Yeah, yeah. But you know, a lot of charities are, are actually very inefficient with their use of capital. Um, um, startups have to be efficient with capital because yeah. otherwise, you know, this this thing that these extraordinary young people are devoting their lives to for for five years will will come to nothing. So they have to be um, efficient with their capital. Have we have have we woken up as a society to to this fact? I think um, I think Tesla are doing a really good job. Yeah. Um, I I look at I look at. How how do you become the richest man in the world? Well, I think there's the Bezos route and there's the Musk route, and it's extremely uncool at the moment to like Elon Musk. But I think <laughs> um, I think what he's what he's demonstrated is that um, he set out, if if you believe his telling of it, which you know which I personally do, to get the United States off um, internal combustion engines, um, and you managed to pull that off in in some way you know i i it, my read on this is that he's brought the adoption of electric vehicles forward by 10 years right yeah. so if you do that and and then you own like a very large part of the, of the market you end up the world's richest man right and so he he didn't he didn't get into this to to become the world's richest man which maybe jeff bezos did but um but he arrived there because he created an extraordinary amount of value and so i think i think organizations where people do things like that like the the guy who who started, um, is it Tia? Um, the, the scooter. The, the scooter company, yeah. yeah. So he's now got a massive climate fund, which is his, that he can invest in whatever he likes because he's made all of that money through through, um, you know, through mobility. Yeah, and, and creating value. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, it's funny, right, we, we mentioned Elon, right, uh, because I, com- I completely agree with everything you just said. He brought the technology so far forward and... 
I think he is focused on money to an extent, but it wasn't necessarily the first goal. He was so focused on the mission, which is how people getting into climate uh, should view it. Like, look, look at a big problem, right? Because governments and businesses all around the world are currently trying to decarbonize. So if you can solve one of those problems, like you're going to be in with a quite, quite a big um, commercial opportunity. Um, but a lot of the people are focusing on, um, yeah, mobility, because it's it's kind of visible, it's tangible, it's like less tangible and, and visible to try and decarbonize a sp specific part of the supply chain. So I think that that's a really exa interesting example. Like we kind of need an Elon in every sector, right, that's going to go and make it sexy and and, and, um, and and bring the technology forward. Yeah, which I think it's quite a cool transition. So I really wanted to um, dive into um, what are the sectors uh, you're you're looking at? If there's a specific focus, and if not, like what are you, what are you looking for when you when you're when you're deploying capital? So we uh, we look for we look for companies that can get to ten megatons a year, right? So that's, yeah. that's a pretty is high that, bar. Is that any sector? Any? Yeah. It's it's currently any sector that we like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know that's we're, we're trying to tighten up a bit on that. Um, there's there's some things that we just don't we don't like. So e, e mobility, uh, micro mobility, yeah. is just we're, aesthetically, we're just not really interested in it. I personally believe that um, that's not displacing diesel, which is what mm. we'd needed to do. Um, yeah. it, it would need to displace diesel cars. It would need to displace diesel buses. The people that I see um, using um, electric scooters and electric bikes, myself included, are people who otherwise would have been on public transport on the you know on the um, on the tube yeah, or you know, on the yeah, bus. Yeah. And and so it's it's my it's my read that that's not an effective use of capital for for fighting. Um, climate change so we we've, we've got our preferences um so the the things that the things that we do like though so we've we've made an investment in in some clean energy companies that um obviously that's very exciting yeah um, it's difficult for you for your money to have an impact a big additional impact uh, by investing in this space so i think that's an that's another that's another characteristic of companies that we invest in where we feel that our money's going to have an additional impact yeah um a big one is removals so even if we stopped emitting, even if we decarbonized the whole economy right now, yeah, um, there would still be all of the CO two that we've emitted into the atmosphere since the beginning of the industrial revolution, hundred and fifty or so years ago. So we've got to remove that, um, and this is such an interesting space because um, obviously trees remove carbon, but they take a long time to grow. You know, so yeah. if you plant an oak tree, it might not start removing carbon for um for 10 years when it does it may continue to remove carbon for like 60 70 years um but then after 100 years you know it may start to you know it may die and start to decay and release a lot of that uh, back to the properties of timber of forestry as as a as a source of um of carbon removal are different to something like direct air capture which yeah. that that will that will um that will capture uh, uh co2 right now um but it will do it at quite high electricity cost um, yeah. and it will do it very slowly. Um, and, and that, again, is different to, to using something like biochar, uh, which, again, is different to something like enhanced weathering or kelp or, um, or bamboo. You know, they, they've, all got, they've all got different properties. And we're, we're just starting to understand um, how to construct portfolios of, of carbon removals that have all of, the, all of the characteristics that we want. Yeah. And how, how do you manage that, right? Because this... Uh like climate change uh, and climate businesses are so broad as something I just spoke about on the podcast we did yesterday. It's like climate viewing climate as a sector is like viewing the internet as a sector. It's just like, it's not 
one sector yeah. touches every single sector. And the difference between, I think, this wave of companies and the last wave of companies is, I, th I think this is just far more scientific. Uh, so if you're if you're a VC in like the last wave of internet companies, your SaaS all the kind of stuff, you can be a lot more metric driven, right? Mm. Then and and you you sometimes don't necessarily need to fully understand the market to to a depth to understand whether a business is going to be successful or not because you can track specific metrics or this kind of mm. stuff. How do you as an investor manage that? in terms of you know a business comes to you you need to properly understand the science to 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 give a good prediction as to yeah. whether that's going to be successful yeah yeah um so it's i mean that's a challenge but it's one of the more fun parts of the of the job i just love meeting people and learning things you know that's yeah. a, that's been a lot of my life actually um the bits that i've enjoyed and and so we when, when we so one of the first investments we made was a soil, a soil company. They they make they make they've invented an electronic nose that can sniff the organic compounds in in soil and tell what's in it. Wow. Um, and if you can do that well, then you can measure like the you can measure the the different levels of different chemicals. You can measure the different levels of um, e.g. carbon in the soil. So that's pretty exciting. But I didn't really understand anything anything at all about soil. I didn't really even know what colour it was, uh, you know, when, it, when I started. So we, we have to go away and bone up a lot. But even then, you know, even if you spent a month doing due diligence, you'd really only be scratching the surface of what really is, not not just what is the tech, but what what are the who are the key players in this space, um, what are the economics of of this sector. And so really, we have to we have to draw deeply on the expertise of of our network. Yeah. Um, what what we've what we've been very gratified to see is that a lot of academics are really up for helping out. Yeah. Um, so we've we've built a board of of people who are way brainier than us, <laughs> way more experienced. You know, I've only been in climate working in climate full time for four years. Um, so we 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 wanted to be surrounded by people who've been doing this full time for twenty or thirty years. Uh, so we constructed a board of you know of of seven extraordinary people. Yeah. And uh, in their network and in our network, there's there's kinds of academics. In, in soil, in, in, in material science, there's industrialists in cement um, and steel, there's there's people from food, there's people from ag. Um, yeah. So we, we have to we have to make friends with with people who understand how to how to yeah. measure this stuff. So the process is someone comes to you and then you um, effectively, so the, the science is in a specific field, you'll go out to uh, the board and then look for a wider network and just really look to just speak to people and understand different perspectives as that. Yeah, yeah, the the first the first thing we'll do is it, um, because usually founders haven't done this yet, even though this is written all over our website. <laughs> is uh, is is ask them, challenge them to to show us where the impact is, what their route to ten megatons yeah. is, and we we expect to see some, um, you know, not not like war and peace, but we expect to see some some thinking and some calculations that have gone in to you know to what their impact on emissions is. Yeah. Um so then we will have a look at that and see do we do we buy that this is that this is bona fide. If we if do we do we think that if we spent another three weeks looking at this, it would be worth doing. And that's kind of a gut feel kind of thing. If yeah. somebody says we're we're going to as as somebody did recently, um we're gonna replace leather with vegan leather. We have to think, right, let, let's just do a thumbnail calculation. Do we think all of the leather in the world, what's the emissions of all of the leather in the world? You know, that kind of gives you a good kind of um, <clears throat> litmus test for whether to proceed or not. Or um, we're going to make um, we're going to make bamboo toothbrushes instead of plastic toothbrushes. Is that going to 
is that going to can that really move the needle right so you do like a fermi approximation of of what um you know which is like how many coat hangers are there in new york that yeah. kind of that kind of approximation yeah. and if 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 it passes that um so the founders done the work we've we've done a quick litmus test to figure out yes this works then we speak to um people in our network to see can you help us to to vet this so we're looking at a nuclear fusion deal at the moment i'm a big fan of nuclear fusion you know yeah. i've been yeah. you know I've, I've been to visit uh, cullum you know just as just as a fan but I've got to admit that I'm not really a plasma physicist. So, you know, we <laughs> we, we rang up the PhD supervisor of the of the founder. You know, we, we've spoken to a few of the VCs to say uh, who've invested in this space to say, how did you go about doing it? Who, which experts can we can we speak to? And I think, uh, again, like maybe contrary to the last wave of big internet companies, like academia is going to be a lot more important. Academia was like somewhat written off in the last um, uh, generation of companies, right? It was almost like a, a badge of honor to... To be, I dropped out of school when I was sixteen and stuff, and I think there's definitely um, there's definitely room for the, those kind of hustlers, but we're going to need those strong PhDs, as you say, the people to reach out to to properly mm. under, understand the science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think something you said there was so interesting, which was like, so almost like the first two rungs of your um, uh, investment analysis is just purely impact. So you yeah. haven't even looked at the. The, the model yet so yeah financial so like, when does that come in that's right yeah. the, re the reason we don't do that yet is is because well a this is the most important thing for us <laughs> yeah. but al also yeah. we think if it's if it's at all believable that they can get to 10 megatons that is a big company that's yeah. a big old company that's got to be you've invented a new way of making steel you know it's got to be you've invented a new way of generating energy or you've invented a new kind of plane or yeah. you know it's, it's really big stuff <clears throat> um inventing a brand of food is not going to do it. Yeah. Inventing an ingredient in food that can go into all foods, then that will do it. So that that's why we don't we don't start with that. Mm. the the next The next thing we look for is um, what's the economic engine. Yeah. Um, so to take an example that, that is easy to understand, there's an energy company that, that we've invested in that make um, that make electricity from the heat that's trapped in seawater. Um, <clears throat> the heat that's trapped in seawater. Yeah. How does that work? So the sun heats up the sea, yeah, and around the equator it heats up a lot, um, and water's got a very high specific heating capacity, um, and so it can store a huge amount of energy. Um, so you can you can extract that and turn it into turn it into electricity in in the equator. Um, the surface temperature will be maybe twenty four degrees um, most of the year round. Wow. If you go down like maybe a kilometer, then it'll be close to freezing. And so you can use the difference in you know in temperature there to spin a turbine. No way! Cool, eh? Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I talk about that. I talk about that a lot. So, yeah, yeah. We've we've got other companies that we really like too, but I do talk about this one a lot. I talk about this one a lot because it's easy to understand. Yeah. Um, the so what they're doing is they're they're generating electricity in markets where they currently generate their electricity using diesel. So we understand what the emissions are of diesel, and so yeah. we, we understand how to calculate. So if they're going to displace diesel, how much are you going to displace? Um, we we do the calculation um, of to get to ten megatons. How 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 much electricity do you need to do you need to displace? Yeah. So in the in the case of this company, Global Otec, it's four gigawatts. So then you can figure out well, what's the price of a gigawatt? What's the price of a gigawatt hour? Um, and we know you know it's it's around in those in those markets it's around thirty four cents per kilowatt hour. So then you can see if they get to forty gigawatts of installed capacity four gigawatts and they they generate it 85 percent of the time so it's on day and night um but 15 percent of the time you know maybe that maybe the power plant's down or something like that 
then that's this many kilowatt hours or gigawatt hours per year. Yeah. Multiply that by the cost of energy. This is how much they, they stand to make. That's their potential revenue figure. So then because you because this, this number, um, kilowatt hours, appears both in the impact statement, uh, in, in the impact calculation and in the, the revenue calculation, you've got one, one figure that binds those two things together. And you can see then that their economic engine and this is really important to us. Mm. Their economic engine is tied to their impact. Um, so the more impact they have, the more revenue they'll generate. The more revenue they'll generate, the more impact they'll have. That's that's critical for us. If because we sometimes see companies where they could have a big impact and they could make a lot of money, but those two things not linked. Yeah. And therefore, there's, there's nothing to say that they will. That could have huge implications, right? There's yeah. two things I want to talk about there, actually. The first one is something that kind of come to my attention. So you mentioned the surrounding equator, right? Is that Africa has such a huge ability to be a leader in renewable energy, which was like, it was, it was in Al Gore's COP. I don't really like COP, but that bit I found quite cool, mm. uh, which I think that that's so interesting. The second bit I want to dig into, and we'll do this one first, is um, so, so th they come to you with, uh, is it uh, the technology, the idea? They've already done the research. They've got some infrastructure. Like, wh where would a company like that come to you with? It depends. It depends yeah. um, because there are all sorts of different levels of, of readiness. Yeah. Um, we've we've invested in. I mean, the three kind of archetypal founders that we invest in are the one that I've just mentioned, yeah. Dan, right? So he used to be a music promoter. He used to be, no don't listen to this bit, Dan. He used to be <laughs> <laughs> he used to be putting up posters in what I imagine is students' unions and around town saying, come and see this gig. It's going to be great. And and now, right, now he's he's a guy who, um, so he didn't study, he didn't study this energy transition or anything yeah. like that. But now um, I've heard his name and the name of his company come out of the mouths of five heads of state. <laughs> yeah. So he's, you know, and I've seen him stand up at a dinner um, yeah. and address the prime minister yeah. and know which terms to use. And, uh, you know, I've been with him to visit the UN and stuff. So he's, he's, um, he's like a recent convert to, to this mission and he's, he's a very fast learner. And he's he's gone from kind of zero to hero in maybe four years, yeah. and now he is the world leader in in this in this space, even though it's not it's not his field. Um, at the other end of the scale, you've got um, a company that we invested in called Kita, where we invested in them maybe three months after they founded the company, three yeah. months after they had the idea to found the company. Um, I met them; they didn't even know what they were going to do yet. And I thought, you guys are amazing. I just, just got it. Just as a partnership, you were like, I want to invest. I, in I met, I met yeah. them at a party. Okay. Um, at Carbon, it was a Carbon Thirteen, right? So they, yeah. they were in a place where they, you know, they, they'd signed up to, to work on something climate okay. related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't know what they were going to do. Okay. Um, but I, I could, you can tell when you meet amazing yeah. people. Kind of, so the, these, these guys were amazing, and uh, and then they ended up coming up with this idea that was, um, had real legs. You could see straight away if they pull this off, this could, this could be, this could be a game changer. So then I was super interested, yeah. right? But they're brand new, right? So they, they haven't spent four years working on the thing. And then the third, the third archetype is. Um, a scientist who this is their life's work yeah. so osas from from deep meta um is a metallurgist you know he he did he did um metallurgy he did material science at uh, imperial then he went to cambridge to do i think metallurgy um at masters and then he went back to imperial to do you know his phd in metallurgy and material science he's a proper boffin right this is <laughs> this is his life's work and we often meet people like that yeah. um so obviously their you know their their readiness their readiness is will will, will differ um, 
And also some ideas are very quick to market and some ideas are very sl slow to market. The fusion idea that we're looking at at the moment, they, they might not be generating revenue until like 2035. Yeah. You know, it's a long way away, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, that's so fascinating. And and in your experience, you, you've had quite a few portfolio companies now, and which I, I'm so interested to dig into because um, I guess you're seeing a, a variety of different models trying to scale. What in in your uh, in what you're seeing is the biggest thing stopping these companies scaling at the moment? The biggest. Yeah. I can speak about a few big things, well, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know how to rank them. A, a couple of big things <clears throat> that you think is inhibiting climate technology scaling. I think there's. Um, I think one one theme is that there's they they need access to a few different types of funding. Yeah. Um, so an energy company, for example, it's not appropriate to to fund that all the way through with equity. Yeah. Um, and often they will be too early for for debt. Um, the the true way to to fund you know an energy company is through project funding, which you know the, there's a whole there's whole organisations set up to to do that. But how do they get ready for for that? How do they how do they do their first of a kind that shows this can be done? Once they've done that, then project funding will be unlocked for. Um, you know, for, for for two to n. Yeah. Um, one one thing that's that, that's very interesting is um, so a, what a lot of these companies are doing is is operating in parts of the world um, that are still under development. Mm. Um, so if um, so, Tierra Foods, for example, they're operating in, in the rainforest of Guatemala yeah. and Mexico, and they're helping in, indigenous people to regenerate uh, the the rainforest and produce uh, foods over there. Um, so they they've got to get to the stage where um, there's there's project funding available for them, but there's there's philanthropic funding available for them because they're doing something in the developing world, which is you know which is really useful. So I think access to the right kind of funding can can often be um, an inhibitor. I think some people look at these projects as as they're scared off by what is potentially high capital costs, and therefore won't even meet with the founder. So often the founders are are um, They've they've invented they've innovated some great way some new business models some new way of getting access to funding some new way of doing business and they're not even getting to explain the answers to these questions because people will take one look at the deck and say well this is not fintech SaaS you know yeah. I don't even know how to evaluate it um, so I think storytelling is actually really quite important you know the founders that we see winning in in this space are the ones who who can quite quickly move the heart yeah. uh, of an investor enough to at least have a look at the numbers. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, so it's like narrative, narrative gap, yeah, and, and a funding gap, yeah. Which I think also is, is a bit of a product of um, um, the fact that this space is a lot more scientific, right? And a, a lot of the founders I've seen are, are amazing at writing down science, but if you, narrative, right? You, you can't, you can't do that. You know, yeah. There's so many companies I see, you just be like, oh, if you just let me get into your website, <laughs> I could yeah. spin yeah. that up a bit. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's almost like treating the companies as, as, as you would, uh, you still, you still persuasion, right? Even though you're climate and even though it's extremely scientific, you still need to, to communicate that. Yeah. So I wonder how, as a as an industry, we we can make that change, and, and I guess be more marketing focused. I think I think currently that's that's the role of 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 climate investment firms. Yeah, I think eventually there won't be a need for specialist climate investment firms because the the world is currently in a period of transition. It's trying to get to a new a new way of a new way of operating in almost every every area. 
once once the next generation comes along, we might not need climate funds because all funds will be essentially operating, you know, in in this, you know, beyond beyond the transition. So I think the role of of climate funds at the moment is to is to have is to have the stomach and the 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 nous and the uh, the the drive to look at stuff that looks a bit unusual. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is the return is that is the return profile different? So so basically what I'm trying to get to there is we've the the startup the sorry the VC slash funding ecosystem is very tailored towards um the what I see as the last generation of big companies, Facebook, Slack, uh Microsoft, all this kind of stuff. Those kind of companies have a very um similar return profile, which is raise a ton of equity funding try and flood the market, get a monopoly, and, and then you get these like, incredible exponential returns. I, I, I'm not convinced that that translates into climate climate yet and whether that's the even the right model to take. So something I'm trying to understand in my own head, which I do in a lot of these interviews, is what do we need to change about people's perception of the funding cycles and when they should raise, what they should raise, who they should raise from, how that needs to change for climate businesses, and what I view as the next generation of companies. You know, we still plan to, to generate upper quartile returns. Yeah. You know, we, well, if upper quartile returns are three um, x, four x, five x, we don't talk in those terms. We, there's a time component here which is different. Yeah. So, so where where fintech SaaS, some of our fintechs we think could exit within four to five years. Yeah. So if they if they three x the fund, cool. But some of our some of our companies might not exit for you know 12, 12 years. Yeah. You know, Global Otech, which is developing a new type of way of generating energy, and they've they've got to travel around the equator, building building power plants there. You know that that is a twelve year journey. So if you're not going to give somebody all of their money back plus profits for twelve years, you need to give them a lot of money back. So yeah. we we don't look at how many X we're going to make to the portfolio. We what we're looking for is twenty one percent returns. Yeah. So if you you know twenty one percent after I wish I'd memorized these figures. Twenty one percent after uh, after five years is what three x maybe. Twenty one percent after after ten years is eight x. Twenty one percent after twelve years is ten x. Right. So so that, that's what we look at when when we look at a company. We think where in the portfolio do you sit? Yeah. What, what rough? We, nobody knows. But when when could you when could you exit? And therefore, what do we need to believe about your valuation yeah. at that point? And that's yeah. why some of our companies need to get to 300, 300 million. Some of our companies need to get to two billion in order to give everybody, you know, the the upper quartile returns that we look for. Yeah. So I think I think portfolio construction can can really help. Yeah. Um, in this and help you to take more risk in one area if you've got safer bets in other areas to take long term bets if you've got short term bets to, um, to manage them, and um, I think what what the what more recent uh, research in in the venture space shows yeah. is that um, we. The, the fact that we look for one company to make back the whole portfolio, that's that's a that's a function of us not being very capable at measuring the risk profile of 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 our of our portfolio. And if we could do that better, then we'd be more open to accepting that actually we don't need one company to get to five billion. We we can do with five companies to get to get into three hundred million. Yeah, that's yeah. saying three hundred million is a lot a lot more reasonable, isn't it? Which I think is also just a much better model. So go back to what you said at the start, which is. Um, you're looking for impact, right? So if, if, if only one of those comes off, 
then you're not gonna have as much impact anyway mm. like it'd be better a lot more come off it's more about the route to get there so for example one of the companies and, and obviously as, as we say climate is full of many things so each company will be different but one one company i work quite closely with um is it's is a lot more physical so they just needed debt financing a lot earlier mm. than a typical software would mm. and they were struggling to find it that that's what i'm trying to um yeah, I guess get to the bottom of is uh, when when does equity come in? When does debt come in? And how can we create a, a funding ecosystem that that um, allows these companies to scale as best as best as possible? Um, but no, I, I think that's that's fascinating. It's, it's great to hear. Um, conscious of time, so so got ten left. So, something um, that I love asking people because um, they're always like answering. <laughs> sometimes it's the best kind of question <clears throat> say we took uh climate uh vc away from you and uh so you can't do can't do vc anymore you have to start a climate business climate tech business hey <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh why i order <laughs> what uh what are the areas are looking at and and what and what, what are the kind of um sectors you'd you'd first start to to analyze so if it had to be a climate startup it had to be you running it as well me me doing yeah, a climate yeah. startup well, I mean, the reason I chose to do this is because I don't think I'm particularly qualified to do, you know, so I'm from an AI background, a software yeah. background, uh, not particularly qualified to do anything in, in hardware. I, I'm going to alienate a lot of people by saying this, but, <laughs> but I, I really like space, space, yeah, space yeah. tech. Sometimes I sneak into the, to the space VC forums and listen to what those guys are getting up to. There's some, some really interesting stuff going on there. It's, it's kind of very left field at the moment. Yeah. Um, we we saw a company recently that um, they're called Tons of Mirrors, yeah. and um, they put they put mirrors in space um, so that if you if you've got if you own a solar farm, then the day is longer for your solar farm. <laughs> what? So they can target a specific yeah. solar farm. Yeah, they can target they, they can target it really well so that so when the satellite is passing over your your solar farm, it boop, it goes on and boop, it goes off again. So if you're standing 100 meters away from the solar farm, it's like nighttime. If you're standing on the solar farm and you look up, it's daytime. Right, it's bananas, isn't it? That is what It's bananas. So I, I quite GPS like... GPS or like, how is that? It's, um, so you, you need a constellation of satellites. A, yeah. a sat one satellite itself will, will, will only be over your, your solar farm for a few seconds. So you need a constellation of them. But, um, you know, it makes... If you if you own a solar farm, so solar farms are big, right? It's not yeah. like three or four solar panels, but it can make it can make really a substantial difference. And and the the, the launch costs are, uh, per per kilo to low Earth orbit are really coming down a lot wow. uh, with ride sharing and things like that. So there's all sorts of people. When I went to, I snuck into the uh, Planetary Society um, event recently, and um, and there were there were kids. There was a 15 year old kid putting a couple of cubesats into into orbit so that's that's what i'm a i'm a geek about i you know i play kerbal space program i've got <laughs> i've got a pretty good score in, in ksp um i'd probably do that although that's not what my lps probably want to hear <laughs> <laughs> i won't send them this part, but, yeah uh that's crazy because yeah. uh, that could really that could solve a lot of issues right because one of the biggest issues is capacity right and, and with solar farms is that um and consistency yeah um, yeah that is crazy. So you, you think there's a, uh, there could be a lot of um, solutions for climate pushing into to more space? Is, is it a big I sector? I think so. I'm not even, I'm not seeing it's many it's quite a big sector. Yeah. It's quite a big sector. Um, and it's 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 going to be huge. I think space tourism is bullshit, by the way. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on your podcast. Yeah. It's, it's so yeah. bad and it's so tone deaf. It's yeah. really tone deaf. What, what, a, what a time to be doing space tourism. Now we're doing... It's, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's the equivalent of... 
uh, going to a really beautiful resort somewhere and then somebody's just created a, a jet ski business <laughs> just up the beach. That's yeah. that's that's what it feels like. It's very tone deaf. Um, but space, the space industry is indispensable. You know, yeah. it's so useful for um so useful for earth observation so now we've got satellites that can there are companies who can tell you the temperature of any building on earth that's quite useful yeah um there are companies that i don't know whether they'll make it or not but there are companies that are attempting to measure the soil carbon um from space or measure the the amount of cloud cover uh, the um, tree cover so earth observation is really important manufacturing on orbit is um is going to be a very interesting um, sector. Uh, you probably know Spaceforge uh, are about to launch the first uh, first satellite from British soil mm. um, in the in the next few months. Um, I mean, this sounds like science fiction, but there are there are companies doing it, and this is a big part of the dream of Blue Origin is uh, is to do a lot of manufacturing in space. Blue Origin, um, there's Bezos is one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. boo, Bezos is one, boo. <laughs> I'm a SpaceX man, but um, <laughs> but if you listen to if you listen to their vision, it's yeah. really quite interesting. So yeah, what is so they're they're focusing more on the manufacturing of the technology where SpaceX is trying to actually get out there. Is that well, how does they're, they're, they're both trying to get out there, but um, but where where SpaceX is all about, um, let's get to Mars, let's build a functioning civilization on Mars. Um, Blue Origin, I don't know how open they are about this, but uh, they 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 think gravity wells are for idiots. Yeah. Why would you why would you spend all of this energy getting off the Earth's out of the Earth's gravity wells and then go and put yourself in another gravity well? Um, so they're looking at building, this is bananas, yeah. um, big habitats, um, you know, actually in orbit around maybe the Lagrange points. So big floating cylinders that you can live inside. Yeah. And, you know, I think the thinking is that if you can, you know, a, a lot of our problem is that we're, we're overmining the resources that are here on Earth. Yeah. So wouldn't it be better if we could, this is one perspective that that it might be better if you, if you looked elsewhere to get your resources so that we're not over-consuming here on Earth. Yeah. Yeah. There's some proper Star Trek stuff. I love it. There is. <laughs> yeah. There is. And it's it's not that far away, you know, in a decade. That yeah. it, things are going to be very interesting space-wise. That actually, that's a perfect transition for where I wanted to go and close uh, the pod with, is you're optimistic about this stuff, right? Which is not... Uh, so are we but it's not a typical stance to take you know there's a hell of a lot of doom and gloom in the industry what makes you optimistic I think we've got our best people on it I think I think that's what it is and then you know I I spend my days surrounded by incredible people doing amazing things devoting their lives to uh, to to making big change on on the planet there's so much bad news man if if you wanted if you wanted to feel down in the dumps you could (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I'd I don't know. There's, I think. I think people are. They've heard the call. Yeah. You know, I've, I'm pretty late to the party, but you know, some some people, they've been doing this, you know, for most of their lives, uh, and now there's. I think there's a whole new rash of rash. Is rash the right word? I don't think rash is the right word. <laughs> I understood what you tied. Were to say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, yeah. Yeah. Of um of of incredible people doing, doing their best work. You know, so people who are. They've been top of the class their whole lives. They've they've gone to great universities. They've got an amazing idea. Now they're what are they going to use that for? They're not going to use that to go and work at a hedge fund and turn money into more money. They're yeah. not going to go and work at Facebook and put pictures of cats on the internet. <laughs> Although I do enjoy that. <laughs> it's um you know they 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 they're gonna they're gonna change the world mm-hmm. and uh, that is so inspiring to be around. Yeah. 
which I just want to kind of double down on this point because as, as this is what I always say to people, if you're concerned about the climate, the number one thing you can do with it is not um, buying a sustainable toothbrush or this, it's working in this field. Like use your mind to work for the specific companies that are causing this change because in my opinion, change is going to come, it has to come from companies. That's like, e even if you, if you think the government should do it, they're not, right? And they've not for, for ages. So it's, the innovation is going to come from uh, companies and individuals in those companies. So if you really want to make an impact, pick a company and 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 work in this field and, and use your intelligence. So um, uh, on that note, um, what, what are the companies in uh, your portfolio and who are, who are the kind of people they're looking for right now? How can people get in the space if they want to? Machine learning, right? So we need machine learning engineers. Um, Deep Meta, um, they. Man, they're such a good company. Yeah. They uh, so steel is a huge part of the emissions. I think concrete and steel between them are about eighteen percent of global emissions. Yeah. Um, and we we can't get away from using it. We use steel everywhere for everything all the time. Um, the amount of built environments, the the amount of buildings in the world is going to double. You know, over the next ten years, I think it is steel is being used a lot in that. We can't avoid using steel. What these guys are doing is they're they're they found a way to reduce the emissions in steel by about twenty percent. Um, and they do that using uh, machine learning. Yeah. They've got a very low cost to entry platform that allows steel mills to find where the errors are in their in their steel production and to and to reduce it a lot. It's twenty percent of steel is reworked. So they're they're looking for people who have um, who are pretty good at machine learning. Yeah. Right. So if if you're if you're working in machine learning, um, finance is probably a really big call. Yeah. Um, going to work, you know, in an investment bank or a hedge fund or, or something like that, or, or working in uh, in deep fakes or, or whatever. <laughs> this is a really meaningful thing that, that you can do um, yeah. with 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 your time. Um, who else have we got? Um, we've just invested in a company called Undo. Yeah. Um, I hope this is not going out for a few weeks because we haven't announced this yet. Yeah, we can but, go uh, out whenever you. They they do enhanced weathering. Yeah. Um, so they they take when. Do you know what enhanced weathering? You probably know what enhanced weathering is, but you, the viewer, do you know what it is? <laughs> yeah. so yeah. I like that. I broke the third wall. First time in the pod. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is enhanced weathering? Yeah. Um, so it's it's where so weathering takes takes rock and um, you know slowly like the like the the river of Colorado will will wear that away and. You know, when you get these very small particulates, I hope this is right, by the way, of uh, of, of e.g. calcium, you know, it, it's, it, it binds with, with the um, CO2 in the air to create rock. Mm. So enhanced weathering just speeds that up. And, and what we've we've got a very strong um, hunch. Um, the science seems to suggest that if you if you speed that up, not only does that sequester a lot of carbon very quickly um, and hold it in the soil for, for years, but it also uh, fertilizes the soil really effectively. Yeah. Um, so what enhanced weathering does as a practice is it takes rock that has been, it's kind of mining companies need to pay to have it taken away. Um, they get paid to take this rock away. They grind it up and they, they then get paid to put it on farmer's fields or in forests and that kind of thing to fertilize the soil and sequester a whole load of carbon. Yeah. Wow. So they're hiring like crazy, those guys. Yeah. I love stories. These stories are incredible, right? Because there are such unbelievable models in, that can be um, can be found in this space, right? But that's just not something you'd... Um, it's so easy to create a social network coming out of uni, whereas for younger entrepreneurs, I think it's a little bit more challenging to, um, to, to properly know what are the specific things um, 
um, to look into, which is why that why stuff like that's so fascinating. What I, I wanted a big part of this pod to be about. Yeah, yeah. There, there is a, there's actually a, a, um, some people are calling it the, the green skills emergency. Yeah. That there's um, there's things which uh, you asked earlier. What's holding companies back from scaling? Yeah. Part of it is there's just not enough skilled labor yeah. skilled labor and it's not it's not all not all of it's white collar work some of it is eg um one of the things holding up ev adoption is the lack of ev charging stations the yeah. lack of eg uh, ev charging networks um there just aren't enough installers of this and so there's a company called greenworks who, who are looking at they're a brand new company you heard it here first mm. <laughs> who, who are looking at um they're looking at addressing this skills emergency because they say, listen, we've got unemployment over here and yeah. we've got a massive skills gap over here. These these skills, they're skills that you need to learn, but it's not a lifetime of study. Yeah. Um, so instead of you know going to be a hairdresser where maybe your, your starting salary is 12K, why don't you go and be an EV charging station installer, learn how to use the high voltages, You know, maybe that will take, who knows, three months to, to learn how to do and then your starting salary is 25K yeah. know, and, you're, and you're helping with the green transition. This is cool. That's I've not heard the green skills emergency yet, and that's a that's a topic I'm, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking that for the pod. <laughs> yeah, don't, um, but yeah, you're so right because um, again, this is one of the things I'm trying to dive a bit deeper into is what's stopping company scale right because i feel like we've got a lot of technology today that'd be able mm. to help it we just need and we, we we just need to scale it and i think we, we've spoken about the funding gap we've spoken about a narrative gap storytelling and i think that that third one of the green skills gap is so interesting um and such a big thing we can do so so i i started the charity and like the last wave of the internet which nice. was to to do the di digital skills gap right so you just give me an idea i'm going to see if i can rework that into the into the, <laughs> into the green skills gap yeah and I, just i guess for the audience like if the, the, the biggest advice just like just work in a space i'm, I'm trying I'm yeah just, i'm literally trying to get all of my mates work in the space one because i think it would be wonders for their career because we're so early there's a funny thing in the crypto world where like, we're still early we're still early i'm like Climate's still, climate's really still early, mm. and there's so much upside. Um, yeah, and and as, as as you say, you know, there's um there's a lack of skills in a specific thing, and like the whole world works on a supply and demand thing, right? So there's a lack of skills. Um, the, the price is going to be a, a lot higher. So yeah. You, so as yeah. you say, you could command a, a, a much bigger much bigger salary. I've just seen the time. Every single time I run over. Um, uh, but this has been awesome. Uh, we should 100% do a round two. I'd love to go uh, deeper into the specific businesses, all this kind of stuff. So we'll, we'll, we'll get a part two in. But um, cool. thank you so much for being here. Where can people find yeah, you? Yeah, thanks for having me. Because you, you, you make some cool content and, and I think you're a really, you're a really good uh, thought leader in this space. So yeah, where can people find you? So yeah, thanks for saying so. Um, Climate.vc. Nice. That's where we are. And uh, yeah, if you just type that into, into Google, you'll find our LinkedIn and everything where we tend to be pretty active on LinkedIn. Yeah. Not Twitter so much because we're, yeah. I thought you were Elon gang. <laughs> I am Elon gang. Yeah. yeah, I might go on to Twitter now. Yeah. Think, so yeah. so some, of our, some of our founders are on, on TikTok. Yeah. 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 Are well, you on TikTok? To, yeah, I'm trying to chop these up and put them on TikTok. Yeah. But I'm, I'm 25 and even on TikTok, I feel old. So it's, <laughs> it's a learning curve. But we're getting there. We're getting a few viral ones, yeah. Um, just trying to get people inspired, inspired in the space, but um, yeah, good. Yeah, th thank you so much, man. That was thanks that for having was me. Awesome, man. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll share some deals in the not so distant future. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Let's yeah. do it. Awesome. Cheers. Cool.